That's right, we're back. I know it's been a while. We've uh, had multiple things going on. Finals, we went on vacation, school starting. But just in case this is your first time listening, my name is Koi, and with me as always, my number one partner in crime and life, my wife Felicia. Hello. So it's been a while. Yeah, we definitely did not intend to take that much time off, but we ended up having to go to Kansas City for a few days, and then we got back, and you had a lot of work to do for your finals that you put off to the last minute. Putting off is such a, that's a strong word. Yeah, you're a big procrastinator. Professionally procrastinated. Right, and then we had vacation, and so we should have just planned better. We did while we were in Kansas City. We got to meet, we met up with Jason Kupsik from... uh, the ectoplasm show and we got to go to big rip brewing company and that yeah. was fun definitely recommend if you're in the kansas city area to, to stop by there have a couple of their beers and some and of the that, barbecue the barbecue was so good yeah or i was drunk and everything's really good when you're drunk i don't know which well, I think it was the, really good food and the fact that they brought it right to us from next door yeah that was amazing plus while we were in kansas city we and meeting with uh, jason we also got an opportunity to meet with ed the co-founder from Apex Paranormal. And of course, Jason's wife, Kara. Yes. I liked her. She was really sweet. <laughs> she was very funny. Yeah. So then once we uh, got back to the home state of Missouri, we actually, I guess we didn't really leave Missouri, did we? Yeah, we went to Kansas City. Well, Kansas. It's like, Kansas City, Kansas, briefly. It's like walking across the road up there, though. Right. So we had the grand idea of a week before school started to take a trip down to Florida and go to Walt Disney World. Yeah, we surprised the kids with the trip, which was fun and exhausting. Yes. I think the kids went to bed. Like, they left the parks every day at, like, what, 4 or 5 o'clock? 4 or 5 o'clock, yeah, especially the older one. Too much fun for them, but... Either that or too much heat because it was... Oh, my God, it was so hot. Like the seventh layer of hell down there. We'll never go to Florida in August again. Or June or July. I've never drank so much water in my life. I know. I, I hate water. I, and I drank so much water. But we did get to meet up with Denise and Diane yes. from History Goes Bump. And we, of course, we rode the Haunted Mansion ride, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Especially because she was able to point out all the little details that, you know, the average yeah. person would just definitely overlook and not notice. Yeah. That gave me the idea that we should look into haunted stories of Disney to see if we can find any. So... We're going to do that for our next episode. Beyond the Haunted Mansion? Beyond the Haunted Mansion. Like actual <laughs> haunts at Disney. So that should uh, be fun to see if we can actually find any or not. Oh, no. Our son thought it was pretty haunted. Yeah, he did. He thought that was legit. He was so scared. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad for him, but I felt more bad for laughing so much at him. <laughs> well, kind of. Actually, I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, he was absolutely terrified. I think it really scared him when it said that the ghost, we were getting off and it said the ghost was going to come home with us. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was pretty great. All right, well, let's take a break. We'll head into the kitchen, go fill up two big bowls of spooky scoops, and be right back. You heard of this uh, big cat that's supposed to be around? <laughs> of course. Some say it's a puma. Others, a giant ape. And still others say it's the sucara. A sucara? It's a new kind of animal to me. That's a famous jungle demon that tears living animals to shreds with its claws and then feeds upon them. Has been known to attack humans also. Hasn't so far, I hope. No. But I'm sure it will. 
So the story I found was on mysteriousuniverse.org and it's levitating rocks photographed at Crystal Mine in Arkansas. And of course I picked this one because me and your mom went and dug, dug for, diamonds. for diamonds, which was the worst experience ever. Because <laughs> I thought I was becoming rich and I just got muddy and hot and we left like 45 minutes after we got there because it was awful. And I realized quickly that I would not be rich. I would just be dirty and sweaty. So anyway, we went and dug for crystals and that was much more exciting. So, okay, so this mine, it is located in, I think it's pronounced Mana, Arkansas. Mena, Arkansas. Or is, it, or is it Mana? Or maybe Mana, Arkansas. <laughs> it's M-E-N-A, Arkansas. If you know, let us know. Yeah. And I will still pronounce it wrong, but whatever. So it is called the Board Camp Crystal Mine and... It was founded found in 2008, and it was opened in 2012. And one thing that they boast is that it is virtually untapped, which means it hasn't been dug a lot, and it is surrounded by shade trees, which would make me go there automatically, whether the <laughs> crystals float or not, because it is really hot to dig crystals in Arkansas. So I learned that last time, too. It's just hot in Arkansas. Anyway, in February... <laughs> Stop. Sorry. <laughs> I keep thinking about how every time the kids say it's hot, and I'll be like, your mom is. Your and then hot. Dagan will chime in, yeah, she is. <laughs> yeah. Our kid's crazy. Anyway, so in uh, starting in February 2017, people that were there were starting to notice mysterious orbs, unidentified lights, stones falling from the sky, and levitating rocks. Finally, in May of 2017, they ended up closing down the area because all this had caught the attention of MUFON and also the Travel Channel. So they closed it down so that they could come in to investigate it. Um, MUFON, they declared that it was undeniably scientifically unexplained. So it's what? MUFON. <laughs> There is video of some of this activity happening, so I will post that on our Facebook page. I'm going to have to watch that. This part you'll like, okay? So the Travel Channel is actually Josh Gates' show that came in. And they are going to be doing a four-part series. Uh, Expedition Unknown, Hunt for extra Extraterrestrials. And it is scheduled to be broadcast in October of 2017. So they're under a what is that called? The um, non-disclosure agreement. So they really can't talk about it. However, they were supposed to open the camp back up July 31st. So so people supposedly are digging there again. But we're going to have to watch that show to see what they find. Did you have floating crystals while you were there? No, I should have went to that place because I would have had shade and possibly floating crystals. That's true. But imagine if I called you and I was like, these crystals are floating. You would have thought I was like... Right, you better have sent me like a picture. You would have told me to drink water because exactly. I don't drink water. You would have thought I was you like... You were a heat injury. A heat casualty, right? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that was an interesting story. So I will share that on our page. So what did you get for us for Spooky Scoops? All right, so for mine, I kind of found a story. Everybody's getting all excited about this eclipse and what's going to happen. Well, it turns out that according to Mysterious Universe, South Carolina actually warned their citizens to beware of lizard men during the eclipse. 
I'm speechless. Like <laughs> just looking at you. Right. Well, this, you know, this comes off the tail end of North Carolina actually warning people about a possible Bigfoot. I'm kind of wondering if uh, Michigan warned people about the melon heads. <laughs> eh, I don't know. I think if it came out today, they probably would. So with the upcoming eclipse on August 21st, which I guess puts me in a deadline, I got to get this edited and out before then. Otherwise, it's going to be old news. So they pretty much are telling everyone that there will be increased paranormal phenomenon during the eclipse and South Carolina will actually be the last state to be affected by the eclipse. Unfortunately, there's not more information about this. They've just put out the warning of beware of the lizard men during the eclipse. So if you're in South Carolina and you're watching the eclipse, I guess also watch out for lizard men and Bigfoot. If you're in North Carolina, if you do live in South Carolina and you see a lizard man, or I guess, is it lizard man or lizard men? Well, it depends on if you see one or two. Uh, there you go. So if you see one, let us know, because send us a picture. I want to see what the lizard men are looking like. Yeah, I'm curious what it is exactly. We'll have to look into the lizard Is it like man. a big, scaly, Bigfoot-looking thing with the tail? Is it the Geico lizard? That would be, yeah. It does walk upright. Right. All right, so I think that does it for this serving of Spooky Scoops. If you have anything to add to that, get in touch with us. Let us know, especially if you live in South Carolina. Let's take a quick break and dive into our main topic, the Wendigo. A sudden draft from a window that was supposed to have been closed. A chill at the back of the neck. Groans, creaks, and bumps in the night. Man has always been frightened by the dark, troubled by noises just beyond the reach of lights, occurrences just beyond the reach of understanding. We decided to do this episode on the Wendigo. It was a suggestion by one of our listeners named Connor, and I actually had never heard of the Wendigo before. I'd heard of it, but I, I didn't like know what it was. Like I, you know, I know it's been in like quite a few movies, and there's even a game. Probably some of those horror, horror those B films you like to watch that are awful They're that not. you watch late at night <laughs> that wake me up, and then you you fall asleep, and I'm can't sleep, and then I'm stuck watching them. Right. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> so the Wendigo, it comes. It's a Native American legend, and Wendigo means the evil spirit that devours mankind. So it's a very pleasant legend. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, it comes from the northern states and Canada. Right. And it's mainly a Native American legend, most notably among the Algonquin people. I'm just so glad you said that word because I wasn't even going to say it because I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. It took me a second. I actually had to look like look it up and listen to someone else say it. And then I was sitting there, Algonquin. How did you do that? What, look it up or Get listen someone, to someone else say it? I watched a video on YouTube. Oh, because YouTube's always right. Exactly. And so it's mainly among, like I said, the Native American in the north part of America, the Atlantic coast and the, Glake, the, the Great Lakes region. I can say Algonquin, but apparently I can't say Great Lakes. <laughs> And I was able to actually find this in the dictionary, surprisingly enough. And this is the 
what the dictionary actually says. It's a cannibalistic creature among the Algonquin mythology believed to have been a lost hunter forced to eat human flesh and thereafter becoming a crazed man-eating ogre, which apparently an ogre is uh, also in the dictionary, roaming the forest. So I don't know exactly. Apparently someone probably had some fun writing that one in the dictionary. Was it Webster's Dictionary? It was Merriam-Webster, yeah. Oh, okay. And it was the Urban Dictionary. That's the one I use. (laughs) So the description of the Wendigo is described as looking extremely thin. Um, I even seen a description that said that sometimes you can't see it like if it's turned because it's so thin. Malnourished yet extremely tall, 14 to 15 feet, glowing eyes, long yellow fangs, long tongue, sallow yellow skin. Also been described as matted with hair and having disgusting decaying skin and that just makes me sick i don't know (laughs) it's the matted hair that makes me sick the matted hair i'm a hairstylist and no it's just got dirty hair (laughs) it's running through the woods with its dirty hair got some like dreadlocks going right it needs to find the banshee and get that silver comb right yeah i found it extremely interesting just because a lot of this legend was based around cannibalism it was almost like a don't eat people or you'll become the Wendigo. So that kind of led me to, is it myth? Is there actually something real? Because some people say it's a monster roaming the woods. Other people say it's a spirit that possesses people that eat people. The one thing that I did learn through all this research is that eating people is bad. Right. I think it was, I really think it was kind of a warning to people because you know, that far north, I think cannibalism was a real thing. You know, people did have to resort to that. So I think they used it as a, you know, don't eat your brother right? type thing. Like mom sitting in the kitchen. I don't care how hungry you are. You're not going to eat Timmy. Right, exactly. One thing about the really skinny, thin appearance of the Wendigo is that no matter how much it eats, it will always remain hungry. Like it can never be full. Which would be awful. Like our kids. Yeah, especially our boy. Oh my yeah. god. He eats so much food. He may be a Wendigo. He is a Wendigo. <laughs> it is believed that the human still lives within the Wendigo. It's uh, in the heart area of the Wendigo. The person is frozen inside there. And the only way to kill the Wendigo is to also kill the human. Which after reading the way that you kill the Wendigo, it's easy to understand why the human does not survive that. Right. When it comes to killing the Wendigo, it's kind of like killing werewolves, apparently. And you need a lot of silver. You can use silver bullets. You can use silver blades. And I guess if you have to, you can just, you know, go in the kitchen and dip some butter knives or kitchen knives into silver. And silver-coated will also work. But you actually need to pierce the heart of the Wendigo. And apparently that will slow it down. But then you also have to remove the heart, and since it's said to be made of ice now, you have to shatter it. But you're still not done. You then have to take the shattered pieces of the heart and bury them in a silver box. But wait, there's more. (laughs) After completing all that, you also now have to dismember the Wendigo 
because it is said to be able to regenerate. I think I'll just try to outrun it. That's a whole lot of work. That's so much work. I read that um, a lot of times up there, the people that vanish in the forest, you know, people that don't come out, they blame the Wendigo. They just assume that the Wendigo have taken them and eaten them. So. <laughs> no shirt. No, no shirt. No search parties. Right. Eh, the Wendigo got them. The very first Wendigo is said to have been a warrior who made a deal with the devil in order to save his tribe. He gave his soul and was transformed into a Wendigo. When peace ensued, there was no need for the creature, and so he was outcast. As you are. Right. Like, give your soul, and then they're like, yeah, we, we don't need you no more. Just go. Poor guy. So that's how the Wendigo started, which pretty much doesn't go with the story of cannibalism but you know as legends go there's lots of different versions of it so right it had to spread somehow right one of the most widely reported cases of a wendigo spirit possessing a human is that of swift runner a native american who murdered and ate his entire family in the winter of 1879 he claimed to be possessed by a wendigo at the time of murders and was hanged for his crime Although his case is still one of the most well-known historically, there were many reports in the early 20th century of Wendigo spirits possessing people in dozens of communities from northern Quebec to the Rockies. That's a... I looked into that story a little bit, and that was... It was pretty crazy, because supposedly, like, his whole family was starving, but yet they were only, like, 25 miles away from food supplies at the Hudson Bay... Okay, 25 miles now is not 25 miles. When you're starving, 25 miles is only 25 miles. No, it's not 25 miles. I'd walk 25 miles if I was starving. It was like winter. Like, no. I'm hungry. At that point, (laughs) at that point, I'm not even hungry anymore. I'm hangry. Right. So you're going to eat your family. Okay, I'm just going to let you believe that in 1879, you're going to go 25 miles to Kroger to get your food so you don't have to eat us. Correct. Okay. But when it comes to the Wendigo, all is not lost because we have Jack Fiddler. So Jack Fiddler was one of the most famous Wendigo hunters. He was a Cree Indian, and he claimed to have killed at least 14 of the creatures in his lifetime. And not only was you know Jack Fiddler a Wendigo killer, he was doing it like at the age of 87. <laughs> He could have walked 25 miles to the Kroger. (laughs) But in October of 1907, Fiddler and his son were actually tried for the murder of a Cree Indian woman. They both pled guilty to the crime, but actually defended themselves. They were their own lawyer, so to speak. And stated that the woman was possessed by the spirit of a Wendigo. Which This kind of goes back to the whole two different versions of the Wendigo. Some people believe that the Wendigo was a monster roaming the woods and that when you ate people you turned into the wendigo and then of course fiddler believed that the wendigo was actually a spirit and that when you ate people you became possessed by the spirit of the wendigo but this woman was supposed to be on the verge of transforming into a wendigo and according to their defense She'd been killed before she was able to murder other people in the tribe. So, where the problem ensues, 
Fiddler decided to be a good idea to kill her before she actually did anything wrong. I feel like Jack Fiddler was a serial killer. No. He was just killing everybody else. He was a serial else. Wendigo killer. And he was... No. He was a serial killer. And he used the Wendigo as an excuse. You couldn't plead insanity, so you plead Wendigo, right? Up, in, up until that point, nobody had a problem with Jack Fiddler killing Wendigos. Evidently they did, because he got well, he put on trial for it. 14 Wendigos before that. Oh my gosh. And he was like 87. Right. Who puts an 87-year-old on trial? He's a serial killer. Well, unfortunately, the story of Jack Fiddler, and some say it was his brother, some say it was his son, Joseph, does not have a happy ending. So they were both arrested by the Canadian authorities. And after being arrested, Jack actually committed suicide after, after they were charged and everything. And his either brother or son, Joseph, was tried and sentenced to life in prison. Now, ultimately, he was pardoned, but actually died in jail before receiving the news of his pardon. So maybe Jack was a serial killer, and that's why he committed suicide. He just didn't want to pay for his crimes. Or he knew nobody would believe that he was out killing Wendigos. Right, exactly. He was out killing women. That's what he was doing. Looking back on the story of Swift Runner now, People think that he was actually suffering from something called Wendigo psychosis, which also could be called just paranoia now. But um, the Wendigo psychosis, it's, uh, it was usually developed in the winter months when families were isolated by heavy snow and inadequate food supplies. The initial symptoms of the Wendigo psychosis were depression, distaste for most ordinary foods, and subsequent Went poor appetite, nausea, and vomiting, followed by periods of semi-stupor. Gradually, the victim become, would become obsessed with paranoid ideas of being bewitched and subject to homicidal and sometimes suicidal thoughts. He would start thinking that he was becoming possessed by a Wendigo. So that kind of falls onto like the whole, at the time of folklore, you know, if you believe something enough, it becomes real. Right. And then um, the individual would start seeing the people around them turning into animals or, like, creatures that they would eat. Like in the old, like, cartoons, like, where they're stranded on the island and the guy turns into a cheeseburger? Yeah, or a turkey. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny to think. I mean, mental illness. I'm not laughing at mental illness, but... It's, I don't know, it's, it's still funny. It's in my it, head. That's what like I'm... Like, yeah, we're on a long car ride and... I'm getting really hungry, and I look over, and you look like a burrito from Chipotle. <laughs> Why do I have to be a burrito? The interesting thing I read was that while they, the people with the psychosis look around, they see people as becoming more edible, yet they get more and more fear of becoming cannibals. So it's like that's working against each other in their brains. So it's kind of like cannibalistic cabin fever. Yeah, exactly. In response to the dangerous delusions, um, you know, the people, they would often ask to be, like, excommunicated, I guess, from the tribe, but, you know, they often wouldn't want to do that. So the native healers would try to cure them. They would do things like forcibly feeding them doses of hot grease, bare fat, sturgeon oil, yeah. you know, uh, things. 
Times are tough. Right. Whatever they could do <laughs> to satisfy the cravings. They and should... if those attempts would fail, then they would ultimately sometimes execute them. Which I guess, you know, they would, you have to do what you have to do. I know that sounds awful. <laughs> when the they were trying to like get rid of one to save many, I guess. Yeah. When the alternative is a person eating the colony. Right. Can't have a lot of Jack Fiddlers running around. <laughs> I do know that the Wendigo psychosis, this, you know, the debate of whether this was real or whether this is just folklore, or, you know, paranoia, this continued for a long time, all the way into the, you know, in the 80s. This was still being discussed as to whether, you know, Wendigo psychosis was a credible account. Uh, actual mental disorder yeah i think that's like when it became like changed from wendigo psychosis to you know just changed to paranoia you know they just changed the name you know things upgrade to different names i don't think upgrades the right term but <laughs> well you know there's i don't know if it was actually ever really settled it's there were so many people that said, no, this is just naive people taking stories into account without any real facts. But, you know, we're talking about stuff that happened in the 1870s, how much credible documentation was done at the time. You know, not everything was done and then wrote down or posted on Facebook in the 1870s. So, and other people say that, you know, they look at all the accounts of that the people made and this determined, in their opinion, that based on the evidence they have, the Windows, Wendigo psychosis was an actual condition. So what do you think? You think the Wendigo, a real a real monster, a spirit, you know, or is it just, you know, the Wendigo psychosis, uh, you know, it's just a mental disorder? I think that it is folklore. I don't think it's real. I think it was something that was made to try to prevent people from eating each other. I do think cannibalism was done a lot back then, probably a little today, because people are freaks, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think it was just more, you know, just to warn people and scare people. What about you? I think the Wendigo in the sense of the term, it was real. I think in it was at the time with the education and understanding that they had of events and stuff that was taking place i think the wendigo developed out of that for example you know they didn't understand why people were you know eating people and then just becoming insatiably hungry for more people and so out of that the wendigo was born in sense that more of it is more wendigo psychosis than an actual monster creeping through the woods hunting down families and eating them I think there probably is some sort of mental disorder that comes out of becoming cannibalistic. It could eat anything from them also eating raw meat. You know, who knows if they took the time to get them to 165 degrees when they were cooking their family Gross. members. Gross. Sorry. But I think, yeah, it was, it's real in the term of people were really eating people and they didn't have a way to explain it. That's the Wendigo myth legend or disgusting well yeah definitely disgusting but could just be a mental disorder i wonder how long it took swift runner to eat his family well it says that he was insatiably hungry so i don't know depends on oh how big it is i don't really put that much thought into it i don't know i'm thinking about it now 
Like, how big was the family? I guess average like, size family. All at once? Did he one at a time? You'd have to get them all at once. Otherwise, right. some are going to run away. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's the Swift Runner family, so they were all fast <laughs> runners. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know. Now I'm going to think about this. So just leave me in my thoughts. <laughs> well, speaking of your thoughts, do you have anything else? No, I think that covers it. I'm glad that Connor asked us to do this because I learned something new. It's always enjoyable when you learn something new for the podcast. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think I got anything else on it either. So again, Connor, thanks for uh, suggesting the Wendigo. And if anybody else has any suggestions, you know, let us know. We'd love to hear them and look them up and do an episode on them. Thanks for listening to this episode of Until Dawn Podcast. If you have any suggestions for Felicia, she's making a new Halloween wreath, email them to us. Yeah, I need to make a new wreath for the door. We're out of summer. We still have our summer wreath up. It's still August. I don't know. When the kids go back to school, I'm like full fall. Like, bring out the Halloween decorations. Which reminds me, I need to go to Target to check. Right. Target's like an hour away because we live in the middle of nowhere. We fear the wind to go in the winter. (laughs) But... If you want to do that, you can hit us up on Instagram at Until Dawn Podcast. We're on Facebook, Twitter. You can email us at Until Dawn Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can call us with your suggestions at 913-703-3296. We'd love to hear from you. And please rate and review us on iTunes. Also, you can do it on Facebook. And we are still doing that t-shirt giveaway once we get to 20 reviews. So anyone that leaves us a review, we will put your name in the hat and draw for a free t-shirt. If you're on Android and you don't use iTunes, I know there's some of you guys out there, leave us a review on whatever podcast app that you're using. But since there is so many of them on the Android side, let us know. Shoot us an email or take a screenshot and you know tag us on Facebook or Twitter or something with it and we'll be we'll put you in the running as well yep all right so until next time i'm coy i'm felicia and this is until dawn